0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 29, Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, you know vision is what God sees for our life and God knows where he wants to take you. We need vision in our own lives, but we also need to be able to know the vision of the church that we belong to as well. One of the key scriptures about vision is Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. It says, there is where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. Or another version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Turn to the person next to you and say, please don't perish. Please don't. Yeah, we don't want that. You got to say it like you mean it, guys. Come on. Come on. Come on, don't perish. You know, that, what that verse is saying, where there is no vision, the people perish, it means people cast off restraint. If you aim at nothing, guess what you're going to hit? You are going to hit it every time. You are going to hit nothing. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit nothing. You'll go there, you'll go here, you might go a little bit over there, and you might go a little bit over there, but you're still going to be going Absolutely nowhere. You're gonna be roaming aimlessly, not sure where to go or what to do. People need vision for their lives, but they also need restraints, they need curbs. People need to know where they are going in life in order that they may stay on the path God has for them. Chair and I did a Bible study with the group before that's called Guardrails. Everybody. Know what a guardrail is? You you drive. You know it's those metal things on the road. You see them always damaged up. Sometimes they're always crunched. Those are guardrails. What are those there for? Those are to make sure we stay on the path of the road. That if we go off, it's to bounce us back. And we've got to have those guardrails in our life, making sure that we are always staying. And those can be our friends. Those can be the people that we look up to. But we have to have people beside us, a family beside us, a vision that God, that we can walk straight. And even when we bump to the right, we bounce right back to where God's taking us. The only example that I can think of to really... um, talk about roaming aimlessly is when I went to a soccer game with some little toddlers. Anybody ever see a soccer game with little toddlers? Yeah, Aren't they so cute? They're so cute they just run aimlessly, right? They're, they see the ball and, and they all just run straight to the ball. And I remember going one time and watching these little toddlers play soccer and the soccer ball the ref puts it in and, and they all start running and they all, what do they do? They all just start kicking, right? They're hitting each other's shins. They're kicking each other. They're they're just going at it right they're pushing them down they're like i want this ball but what they do is their focus is so much on this ball that they get turned around and start going towards the wrong goal yeah. and as they start going towards the wrong goal they kick it in and their teammates just stand there and they're like what did you just do right they, they're going aimlessly and at times these young players lose their direction And kick it into their own goal. Where there is no goal in view or the wrong goal in view, the team will lose. But where there is direction and vision, the better chance of winning. The worst thing that a pastor could ever hear is the words, where is this church going? Where is this church going? That shows that there has been no vision casted. People need direction personally, but they also need to know where they are going as a church body. If you have your Bible still open, I want you to flip it over to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And we're going to read verse 1 through 2. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have so Great, a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Who is the joy set before him endures the cross. Despising the shame and has sat down, sat down at the right hand of throne of God. You see, I, I want to unravel on verse 2. I think it's so good. In verse 2, it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. That's how it begins. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Not only did Jesus reach his goal, he was exalted and enthroned at a result. Think of it with me for a moment. Did anybody last night watch the LSU versus Alabama game? Anybody watch that? Yeah, you watch. Wasn't it good? It was so good. They're constantly battling, going back and forth. But what was, what was their goal? What were they trying to do? They were trying as hard as they can to get to the end zone. They were trying to get it to get points, right? Or maybe they're going for a field goal. Field goal are the poles that are up, right? The yellow ones. And they kick it, right? For those that don't know football. They're always going for the end goal. They're trying to get as close as they can. We as individuals are all running a race with our vision focused on Jesus. And to those of you that might be saying, I don't know where I'm going or what I am supposed to do. I don't know where I belong. I don't know what my calling is in life. Let me give you a little revelation from this word. You don't have to know everything. You don't know. You don't. You really don't. Some of the times we will just want to know everything. And we think we know everything. And yet we don't need to know everything. You know, the Bible in Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secrets of the Lord are kept with him. And what he reveals to us is ours. We don't know everything. We don't. And we won't. He will give you the vision to see what He wants you to see. He will give you the desires of your heart if you acknowledge Him in all of your ways. He will direct your path. You need to erase every doubt and know that you are loved. You have been called, you have been chosen. And God has a wonderful plan and vision for you. You are all in His scope. You are all in His focus. And you are all in His sight. In what He sees, He sees you for who you are. The desire and passion that God puts in your heart feeds your calling and your calling feeds your vision If you still have your Bible open, I want you to flip it open to Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And while you're doing that, I'm going to read a different scripture, 1 Peter 2, 9. It says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim and praise of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Who had, no, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And if you have your Bible, in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, it also says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, but what it wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. You see, that scripture the part where it says, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. You see, where God has you right now, he will give you the gifts and talents you need to do exactly what you're doing. Where Brother Rick is in Sunday school, God has given him the gift to be able to speak in this small group setting that he can be able to minister to these people. But there might become a time, I'm not, I'm not prophesying over you or anything, okay? Don't, don't take it literally. There might come a time where God says, Brother Rick, I'm calling you to more. I'm calling you to a different area in life right now. There might be a time where God calls us somewhere and he will give us the gifts and talents. We have to act out in faith. That's where faith comes in. Even though we might say, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. What do you, how how am I supposed to? I've never done this before. And yet it's that faith Taking that step and saying, okay, God, it's in your hands. You told me to do this. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But you told me to do this. I'm acting in faith, saying, God, you're my God. You are good. You are going to protect me. You are going to guide me. And you see through this whole entire month of October and beginning of November, talking about vision is all about casting vision so that the church understands where we are going. So that they have something to buy into, something to run with, something to latch onto, something they can call their own, something that gives them purpose, something to set their goals on, something that bonds them to the rest of the body of Christ. And in this whole entire series, we have been focused, we have been focusing on the vision of Grace Bible Church, Corporately. This will help you to find your place in the body of Christ and in his kingdom for such a time as this. So that was my intro. I hope you like that. We're now getting to the actual, yeah, now we're going to get started. So today's message is our vision for all generations, our vision for all generations. We are a church with the vision for all generations. Turn to the person next to you and say, All generations. All generations. Turn to the other person and say, that means, yeah, that means you too. That means babies, children, youth, young adults, couples, men, women, parents, grandparents, great grandparents, widows, widowers, and elders. <laughs> Our marching orders are to go and to love, to reach out into the community, to be a lighthouse. Tell the person next to you, Tell them to go and love. So, I want to dissect each group of the generation and tell you our heart and our vision for them. Babies and children, aren't they amazing? Aren't they a little smelly sometimes? Uh huh. Aren't they a little bit noisy too? You know, Chair and I love children. We love children. We minister to them every week at Grace Bible Church. Miss Bertha is back there ministering to them, getting, a, getting her classrooms ready. And she's doing a great job at teaching them to building a thriving community for kids. This includes young families that would be excited about a kids' program that is fun, filled with games, filled with worship, and learning God's word. We want a larger space to make it more inviting to more young families in our community. We would love one day to break up every single age group and to minister to them at their level of where they are. To be able to have a special needs program where these parents that just need a break can come and have someone available. Not only to have them available, but to be able to be there so that Miss Bertha or whoever's in that area can minister to them. At their level. Yeah. But not only kids. But our youth as well. And you might be saying, Pastor, what about youth? We have nothing for youth. I want to change that. Amen. Amen. I want to change that. I don't like it not having youth. Youth is the next generations. Youth are the ones that are going to be taking your seats. Youth are the ones that are sitting in the front rows today. Yes. 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 Right. Got you, Jared. Got you, guys. So... You say, so what are we going to do about it, Pastor? We are going to change it. Starting in January, the second and fourth Sunday, we are going to be doing, yes, I said it, second and fourth Sunday, we are going to have a youth program right here. Right here in the evening. That's exactly right. We're going to have it on Sunday night, the second and fourth, because I believe that God is going to call these young men and women Into the schools, into the marching band, into the football games and baseball and soccer. And they are going to be able to go in throughout the week and do what? Minister. Minister to their friends. And then come Sunday, get refilled to go back out into their mission field, to pour back out into their friends, to become godly women and men. In Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2, we read this last week. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. You see, we don't just care about children and babies. We don't just care about youth. We love them, but we also love our marriages. We love marriages. The family unit is very important to grace. We believe that families have been defined by God, and we we believe that families have been defined by God. And we find healing and restoration in families and marriages that turn their lives over to Jesus completely. Cher and I feel very strongly about our marriage. Do we fight? Yeah. Do you see it all the time? No. But we do. And I bet every single married couple here has ever fought with their spouse. Unless you're still in that honeymoon phase. (laughs) It'll come. You see, we have the same vision as we do for our marriage. Always having a healthy balance between ministry and marriage. Everything we have ever done is ministry. And we put our focus around that. But not only that, we pray together. We pray together. Not just on Sunday, but during the week as well. Before service, every time everybody's still getting in their cars and getting ready and and Brother Rick is having Sunday school, I'm in here with worship music and I'm just praying over this area, that God will anoint this area, that this will be a lighthouse off of Main Street, that people that drive by won't be able to to keep driving. They have to stop and pull over and wonder what is going on. But during that prayer time, I always ask Charity, can you pray over me? That my selfishness, me who I am, will go aside and God will come forth. And then I do the same. I I pray over her and the band saying, God, use charity and the team. Use charity, Brother Rick and Brandon, to be able to minister to us in such a way that your word can come forward to us in singing and worship. We pray together. Being consistent and steady, regardless of what what may try to come against us. The enemy is always out to still kill and destroy, Amen? amen? But when we keep our eyes focused, those guardrails are up, it'll help us stay in tune to what God is trying to tell us. Concentrated and deliberate time together. What does that mean? Deliberate time. That's saying actually taking time out of your life to do things together. Whether it's going to see a movie or maybe it's to go on a walk. Maybe you just want to walk. Marriages are so important. But not only marriage, it's the family unit as well. Families coming together. The last verse in the Old Testament Talk about God turning the hearts of the parents to their children and children to their parents. It says in Malachi verse chapter 4, verse 5, it says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and... The hearts of their children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. This speaks of the restoration of families. We believe that God desires reconciliation in relationships. Especially in the family unit. We know that the family and definition of family has been under attack for many years. If you want me to be completely honest, it's hard to be a pastor in 2019. It is absolutely hard because of the, per- sorry, I mess up on this word all the time. Pervasiveness of the secular human na- human nature that has creeped into our schools and into our community, and traditional family has been de- denigrated to being old-fashioned and irrelevant. The secular media has seduced our society to change how we define marriage from its biblical roots. What we listen to is so important. I was listening to a message by Louis Giglio, and charity was even doing a message and it remind, or uh, uh, music listening to music and she was looking at the molecules and she was telling me what music does and it reminded me of what Pastor Louis Giglio would say, and he would always say that the water molecule you know how much percent of water your body is ninety percent of water, ninety percent, and yet what you listen to can Reassemble and mold your water molecules. And when you listen to secular music with bad words and all this demonic things, or, or maybe it's screamo, and it's, it reflects in your molecules. And it's distorted. It's not even white. It's not clear like water. It's yellow. It's fainted. It's tainted. And yet, when you're listening to godly music constantly... And that's all you listen to, praise and worship, and you're listening to these words. These molecules look like a ice crystal, clear and beautiful. What we listen to has importance. The key is in verse 5, that God would send the prophet Elijah we know that the Old Testament prophet Elijah has already come, but John the Baptist would come in the spirit of Elijah. If you have your Bibles, I want you to flip open to Matthew chapter 17. The first book of the first or the New Testament. First book of the New Testament, Matthew. Chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17 verse 10 it says, And his disciples disciples asked him, saying, Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has already come. And they did not know him, but did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking about John the Baptist. You see, we don't just value children and babies. We don't just value youth. We don't just value couples and marriages or, or the family unit. But we also value our elders. And although we might not have a ministry right now specifically for them, I would love to see one day pouring in, pouring into all of our nursing homes, being able to go and just talk with them and pray with them because they too are people. But not only the elders, but also the unborn. when we talk about generations and what our vision is for them, we cannot leave this message without including the unborn. Thank I know there is much news in the media around this topic because of the ruling in New York and in Virginia. We believe God is exposing the horror of it. But let me tell you our vision. Our heart is for people of every generation, including babies born and unborn. And let me just speak to the women real fast. That find themselves pregnant and they don't know what to do about it. We don't condemn you and we don't judge you. It's not our place. We are here to love you. We will love you and your baby. And if you choose to give him up for adoption, we will help you find a good home for him. If you ever were in a bad situation, got pregnant, and didn't know what to do, and you chose to have an abortion, guess what? We still love you. It's not our place to judge. It's not our place to condemn. We will love you for who you are. Because God is a restorer. Right. He heals right. and he restores. And in Psalms chapter 139, verse 13, it says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And then in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you, in the womb I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. You, a prophet of the nations. We believe at Grace Bible Church in the sanctity of life. We can't just sit by as a church and do nothing. We grieve over the loss of these innocent unborn babies. And since Roe versus Wade, there have been over 1.5 billion abortions worldwide last year there were 41 million 41 million last year that's almost 800,000 per week that's all, that's 113,000 per day that's about 4700 4700 per hour 78 per minute and 1 to 2 second we grieve over the loss of life you see we grieve over the loss of life when we speak about the Holocaust in Nazi Germany where over six million Jews were killed let me put it in perspective the abortion industry horror is the equivalent Of 250 holocausts. The church is not a forum for politics. But it is an issue. It is a reality of the day and age we are living in. The church is not here to judge or condemn. But to save. The church is to be a place where people from every walk of life. Every culture, every generation, every nation can find love, grace, healing, reconciliation, and restoration. Because I believe that God has called Grace Church to be a church for all people, even for the unborn, even for the families, even for the couples, even for the marriages even for the babies and the children, and even for our youth and elders. With every eye closed and head bowed, I know it can be a touchy subject sometimes. It's a hard subject to grasp. But like I said, God is our healer. He uh, he is our restorer. And at Grace Bible Church, that's where you can find Christ. You can find your healing father, your restorer. Whether you had an abortion, whether you had a divorce, whatever hurt you're going through, God is our restorer. He is our healer. So first, I want to give the opportunity. If anybody is wanting Christ in your life for the first time, I never want to go a service without asking. If you've never asked Christ into your life, And you want to today, would you raise your hand saying, I'll give my life over to him? Amen. Amen. You can put your hand down. Amen. And maybe you're saying also that, Pastor, I have some hurt. I need restoring, I need healing, I need a touch of God's grace and mercy. I know what I've done but let me tell you something God made you marvelously and wonderfully made he made you he created you he thought of you before you were ever born and if you're saying pastor I need restoration I need healing I need these chains broken I need these chains broken. I need the wall to come crashing down because I need healing. Would you raise your hand? Nobody's looking. Would you raise your hand? Amen, amen. Amen. And you can put your hands right back down. Can y'all all just repeat after me? Heavenly Heavenly Father, I admit my life to you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in your word. And I commit my life to you. And Heavenly Father, Father, forgive me. Restore me. Heal me. You are the almighty, all-powerful, life-giving, life-flowing, God. And Heavenly Father, I pray over every single person here. Can we all just stand right now and just worship Him right where you are? Heavenly Father, we love you. We praise you, Lord Jesus. You saw the hands that were raised for coming into their life for the first time. And you saw the hands that were raised saying, I need healing. I need restoration. I need you, Lord Jesus. I need you to move in my life. I need that healing power. Heavenly Father, you saw those hands, and I pray healing over them today, Lord God. I pray healing and restoration. I pray that you will anoint them in their walk, Lord God. You made them. You made them marvelous. You knew the mistakes we were going to make before we ever even made them. You knew every step of walk we're going to take, Lord God. And we ask for forgiveness. We ask that you will just pour out into us, Lord God. Pour out your blessings, your restoration, your healing. Lord God, we ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus.